continuing on with our sermon series through Matthew. Uh, we, we, we came to chapter 8, and if you were here this morning, uh, we, we talked about chapter 8 is that time Jesus has finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And I said that there was something powerful about the individual encounters that Jesus has with the people in the Gospels. So Jesus, as he comes with his message, he was not always preaching to the crowd. It would have been easier for him to share his message with the crowd. But in chapter 8, we see that the individuals matter to him. This morning, we shared about how we met a man with leprosy coming down when he came down from the mountainside. And tonight, we're looking at the individual thought of uh, the servant who was healed. Peter's mother-in-law is later on in chapter 8. We looked a few Sundays ago at discipleship that Jesus challenged the teacher of the law and the disciple. And it tells us just something of, of the, how much the individual encounters with Jesus matters. And I shared this morning how, you know, and I've said this so many times, that he's interested in every aspect of our lives, whatever is going on with us personally. You know, he's interested uh, in, in us so much so that what is happening with us matters to him you know he didn't just brush on by and not have time for people if you ever do a study of just looking at the personal encounters that Jesus has with individuals it's fascinating you know I mean I don't know sometimes you go to and I've done this I've been to church conferences or big churches and you know I've been to ones where the pastors have bodyguards just to make sure the people can't get near them I think that's a good idea. We should do that here. Like, we're looking for a couple of baldy-headed fellas. And I could come out the office there at 6.29 and they could escort me to the front. And then if anybody came near me, they could not, no, sorry, he's not available and stuff, you know. And we joke about that, but listen, I've seen that happen and stuff. And yeah, the example of Jesus is uh, he's just so interested in people. So interested in what's going on in people's lives, you know, how, what's happening. And because we're in chapter 8, we, we, we look to the power of the leprosy. We demonst- Jesus is demonstrating his power now. He's, 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 he's demonstrated his authority with his words by the Sermon on the Mount that we read in chapters 5 to 7. But now this is the moment of the miracles and the 10 miracles that he does in chapters 8, 9, 10 of Matthew. And here in the story, this is the story of the faith of the centurion, who was the, the Roman officer who has a sick servant and he's heard about Jesus at some point. And so he approaches Jesus to see if Jesus would come, uh, would Jesus would heal. And I've called this faith that caught the attention of Jesus. Uh, Because it really is, that's the truth of it. That Jesus looks and this, this faith that the centurion has for his servant catches the attention of Jesus to, he describes it, he's never seen anything like this uh, to this point. And you know, and I think that's so fascinating, isn't it, that we come here because, you know, we have to have faith for things and the biblical definition of faith that we come to is this, and it's actually clearly seen in Hebrews 11 verse 1, which says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It says we have to have faith, cannot live the Christian life without faith. And you know, it's said that's put there later on. We'll look at some of the stuff that's said. 
to us in the Bible about faith, but here it gives us that clear description of what faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. If all we have is our physical eyesight, then it just gives us evidence of the material world. We can see stuff that goes on. We can see enough in the physical world to see enough that goes on. But actually, our faith is the eyesight that we need for the spiritual world, is that we're trusting God. Uh, and the reality of it is that actually we, we, none of us have seen God. None of us have, have seen God. And so therefore, faith is the thing that we hold on to. Faith is the hardest battle sometimes, isn't it? Asking people to believe in something and have faith in something, particularly God and what he's done in sending his son, Jesus Christ. And faith is a requirement. But, but the Bible tells us also that, listen, without faith, is it impossible to please God? So we almost find the theory there to put into practice in our lives. And actually, we have to have faith. We have to believe in God. And this, this centurion here gives that example here in, in this story. Because Jesus, as he, as he does this, and Matthew, as he writes his story, he wants to teach the people about it. It's not enough just to have but belief, in a sense. It's not enough just to believe. You've got to have faith. I believe in that God will do something, that God will, will heal or God will save or, or God will do something, you know, break in, God will move and that. And, you know, I, my prayer always is, Lord, help us to be a church of faith. You know, because actually we could take faith out of church sometimes and, you know, we could run a pretty good show just without faith. You know, we could come in and we could sing some songs and, you know, I could speak a word and, and we could pray and do all the religious stuff and all the spiritual stuff without faith. But I think God expects us to have faith. He expects us to believe in him for more. He expects us to do something that cannot be done in the physical. Almost to have a spiritual eyesight that sees stuff happen, the God moving by faith. And this is really what happens here in this story as we read it in Matthew 8. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve you to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Just to give a bit of background, a centurion, the Romans, they were Gentiles, which simply means they're not Jewish. You know, and so he was a Roman officer and he was responsible for a hundred soldiers. And the centurion had an unusual attitude towards his slave. It was common for uh, the people to keep slaves and that. And actually, because his slave was ill, he, he actually had the right to kill him. Under the Roman law, he had the right to kill him. 
you know, I'm not doing his work. He said, well, I could just get rid of him. But he has this unusual attitude that actually his servant had become ill and injured and he cared about this person. He cared about this person so much so he'd heard of this man called Jesus who had been preaching on uh, preaching so far and healing the sick and he'd heard some of this and so he approaches Jesus to see uh, you know look could you do something here for him uh, and the centurion understood authority because he was a military man he was a soldier uh, but Jesus recognizes a faith in him because it's a faith that catches the attention of Jesus when he, he said Jesus was said to marvel twice in scripture which simply means he was amazed at something he was astonished at something the first was the unbelief of his own people that they simply didn't believe that he was who he said he was that actually he was the Messiah they'd come and the people didn't quite believe and he was astonished at this because they were waiting for him uh, and so therefore they couldn't understand that this was him and sometimes great faith is found in the most unexpected places isn't it you know that actually here in this story uh, you know that, that his faith is found in not, not with the religious teachers not, not with the Pharisees, not with the scribes, not with the people that you would expect it to be, but actually an outsider, because that's what he was. He was an outsider. Uh, and he uses the Greek here that it simply means marveled or amazed to describe Jesus' response to the centurion's faith. And, you know, we have to have a faith that catches the attention of Jesus. We have to have a faith that catches the attention of of Jesus there's got to be stuff going on in our life that we're believing and having faith for that catches his attention because I think that's what he wants to do with us there are things that we want to see there are things that we want God to do and so our faith has got to be stretched you know and simply here it just shows his simple confidence in Jesus whether we had heard something already it just expresses his confidence a little bit like the, the leper did this morning in that story that maybe he'd heard previously that Jesus as he preached on the mountainside the sermon on the mount you know ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find and maybe he thinks, you know, maybe that's for me. Is, is that for me? Here's a man that has come and he said he's going to do three things from Matthew 4. He says he's going to preach a message of repentance. And then he's going to teach people the, 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 the word of God. But then he's going to heal the sick as well. And maybe when he hears that, he thinks to himself, well, maybe Jesus can do something for me. And maybe that's where the faith is. And, and, and there are four things that we've just got to quickly look at as, as far as faith is concerned. Because all this comes from the word of God. And the first one is this. Is out, without faith, it is impossible to please God, it says in Hebrews. And so we're given here the clear connection between what God expects us to do. He expects us to have faith. If we actually want to please God, the one thing that we need to do is we need to have faith. And Hebrews 11, if you know anything of scripture, knows it's the hall of fame for the faith of the people in the Old Testament who believed and trusted in God and had faith. And that same faith is there for us to have today in the situations and the circumstances that we face as people. And for each and every one of us here, that's something different. It may be for our family. It may be for healing. It may be your employment situation. It might be any circumstance that you're going through at the moment. But actually, it's having the faith to believe 
that God can do something, that God can change that circumstance or situation. And actually, there's a faith that catches the attention of Jesus here in the story. But as we see that in Hebrews there, well, actually, if we want to please God, he expects us to have faith. He expects us to put our trust in him. But then the second thing we see from the scripture is that the, he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The, there is a story to tell in our lives. An author is somebody who writes something. Jesus is the author of the story of our lives. You know, if I get older and I want to look back on my life and see, you know, what God has done, that is key that in the story that I can see where God has written the story of my life, but that there will be acts of faith in there, of trusting him, of things that don't always make sense, but I've put my trust in him, and that would be our story. And the perfecter of our faith is simply, this is the one that completes it for us. He is the one that meets us in our point of need. When we say to ourselves, you know, well, I, I don't have enough faith here. We'll come on to that in a second. Actually, he is the author and perfecter of our faith, it says in Hebrews. So whatever circumstance or situation that we're facing at the moment, he is writing our story. And God has so much more to do doesn't it so much more to do in our church so much more to do uh, in our lives so here is the author telling our story and the perfecter of our faith and it's just simply putting our trust in God when it always doesn't make sense you know I remember when being at Bible college and not being sure what God had called me to do and never dreamed or even thought that you know that, that God would call me to be a pastor as a matter of fact, I regret not listening in the lectures now because had I listened to the lectures, I might have been a better pastor because they didn't think that... And I remember just coming to the point where I just felt the calling of God on my life and the first thing I thought was, no, that's not me, that's somebody else. God wouldn't call me because, you know, I'm not able to do this and I'm not able to do that and stuff. And often God, as the author and perfecter of our faith, gives us everything that we need in between to do what he's called us to do. You know, and often at times we say, oh, it's not us, it's not me and stuff. But God says, well, I know that. But I'm the one that fills in the missing uh, spaces. I'm the one that fills in everything that's not complete because that's what the word perfecter means. He completes our faith in us. He completes us in our faith. He's got something for us to do. But here's the good news as well because the third thing we see about faith as we come to this is we only need to have faith the size of a mustard seed. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's one of the smallest seeds that you can see. I mean, it would fit between that. And yet the Bible says you just need to have faith this size. It's not some big faith. And we often sometimes when we, we watch certain programs maybe on the God channel or YouTube and see and they're expressing you just have more faith, just have more faith. Stretch your faith as though it's something that's floating about out here. And actually scripture makes it clear that faith actually needs to be the size of the mustard seed. But it's not faith in faith itself, it's faith in God. And often that's the most important thing trying to share with people. It's not having this faith as though it was a superpower that, is a, that we, we, belongs to us as believers. And actually it's faith the size of a mustard seed. Something so small. And that's all that he says that we have to have. Uh, and you know, that's for us for here. And then the fourth thing we see before we go back to the centurion is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
He says, you know, listen, hey, we're a church that believes in the power of the word of God. It's absolutely essential for a believer's life. It doesn't matter who you're listening to or what you're watching. We've got to be buried in the word of God. And he says, because it makes it clear here, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the apostle Paul, when he writes to the Romans, he could have said anything, but he says this. He says, the faith comes by hearing because we open up the word of God and God has something to say to us as we read tonight. Faith that catches the attention of Christ faith that's the size of a mustard seed he's the author and perfecter of our faith and he says we go back to the story here in in Matthew 8 we see that there is a statement here concerning the mission of Jesus and to whom he has come to save because the, up to this point he says Jesus is coming for the the Jews that's his mission but this man's a Gentile and yet he expresses a faith that Jesus says I haven't seen this yet in Israel and he suddenly opened up the door and this is so true for the gospel message of what Jesus Christ has done who is this for this is for everybody this is for everybody he says we look at it and he opens up the door there was such faith evident in a Gentile it opens up the door for others to take their place in the kingdom it was no longer just for Jews it's almost like there's a feast and what the church expresses so well is each and every one of us from different backgrounds and different ages and different nationalities everything so different about all of us there is this one common theme that we gather together because of what Jesus Christ has done that's the church isn't it that's the power of the church I mean you know let's look at it I mean if you look around now there are some strange looking people in here like on this side but on this side and you look at it what would be the connecting thing there would be in life if it wasn't for Christ Jesus there would be nothing would there I mean some of us we wouldn't even like each other some of us we quite happily you know oof, where's, where's Gary Lineker anyway he says that's the way it would be but you see here he says that there is Jesus expresses this opening up of his mission of opening up of who he has come to save he's thrown the doors open and says who's his voice for everybody oh no no it can't be and stuff because the Jews held on to this as an arrogance they thought well if the Messiah's coming it, it's only for us the Savior's coming he's only coming to save us and Jesus comes with this message he comes with this demonstration of giving his life who's it for it's for everybody who did he go to the cross for it's for everybody and he does this incredible thing where he almost says that listen it doesn't matter what you've done because there is no sin that can keep you from what Christ has done on the cross I mean what an amazing message it would be so much easier to set a religious standard wouldn't it and to simply say you know what you, you got to earn this or work for it and maybe at the end of the life, your life it would be so much fairer if the balance of the scales were Matt Davis lived for 85 years hopefully and then we weigh up you know was his good more than his bad and if his good was more than his bad throw open the door and he gets to heaven and we would look at that and say that would be much fairer but God doesn't look at that he looks and he says he sent his son 
for who? For all, for everyone. And this story here is the illustration of the first one that's open. I have not seen such faith in Israel yet. I mean, Maya just sees it here in this Roman officer because he understands that, that, that he understands authority, he understands the purpose of why he's come. And you see that the, the racial identity in a sense of the Gentiles was not a barrier uh, to the kingdom, but just like for the Jews, their, their racial identity was, uh, wasn't a guarantee for the kingdom. They couldn't just say, because we're, we're straight in there, that's what we've got. Jesus comes and he just does it all for everyone. He says salvation there, the opportunity all for everyone. And you know, if we look at it and say, well, well, when he does that, you see, how does that stop people coming? Well, well it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. Because it's a demonstration. This young man shared it tonight. Didn't know what I was speaking on. Should have brought him back up and carried on speaking. He said the demonstration of God's love was that he sent Jesus while we were still sinners. While we were so far away from him. While we could not earn it or work for it or pay for it. That's, that's who he sent. And you know, at that point that, you know, that, that we were so far away from God and had no interest in the things of God, no interest in living for God, no interest in what God had done for us at that point, that point, that's when Jesus was sent. And you see here, we come back to the centurion, it says, he says this, he says, only speak a word and my servant would be healed. What a faith that he has in Christ Jesus. He just simply says, only speak a word. He's not the leper this morning. He, he asked that great question. He says, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, will you make me clean? He doesn't, he doesn't beg him in a sense. He just says, Lord, if you are willing, if you would do this. And we saw elsewhere that Jesus was moved with compassion. And here Jesus is moved by the centurion's faith. And, you know, so it's just a catches the attention. And Jesus says this, he says, I will come and heal him. And these are six words were some of the most profound ever spoken. Why was this remarkable? Because Jews were forbidden to enter the house of anybody who wasn't Jewish. I mean, Jesus is rocking the religious boat here in chapter 8 because he's told, you know, the law says you can't touch a leper. And so, you know, Jesus has already done that, the first four verses. Just to make another point, it comes in these verses and Jesus says, I'll come to your house and he's like, well, you're not really allowed in. You know, you're, not, you, you know, you're a Jew, I'm a Gentile, you're not allowed in the house. And Jesus is breaking down these barriers. You know, and I, and I thought about this morning, and I said this, and this was so true this morning, Jesus is not so much interested in the ceremonial religious ritual as he is in the brokenness of people. That is the truth. He is more concerned with the brokenness of people than he is with keeping the ceremonial, religious ritual. It's more important for him to do the right thing than the religious thing because it's sending a message uh, to, the, to the people as they see this. And Jesus is doing the same here. He says, can't touch a leper. He can't go to visit the house. But Jesus says, but then the centurion does this. He, he, he believed this. He believed that. His servant would be healed when Christ just spoke the word. I mean, there's faith, isn't it? He just believed in the words and the power of Christ. As he spoke the words, he would be healed. And he simply knew, he had no doubts. 
You know, Jesus actually says to him, he says, go and let it be done just as you believed. It would be your servant would be healed at that moment. And his servant was. And there was a power in his word, isn't there? As he comes and he speaks this to the individual. It's been so easy to come down off the mountainside and Matthew to record that Jesus spoke to this crowd on Monday. And then he spoke to this crowd on Tuesday. And then there were more thousands of people came and heard him on Wednesday. And we would be lost in that because the one thing with crowds is you're lost in crowds. But he doesn't do that. Chapter 8, as he comes down after preaching the greatest sermon that the world has ever heard, he comes down, he meets a leper and he heals him. He meets a centurion who's got a servant that's ill and he heals the servant. He moves on after this and Peter's mother-in-law is unwell and he heals her. This is the individual concern that Christ Jesus has. After that, he says there were many that came who were demon-possessed and possessed by evil spirits and Jesus set them free. He says in the last four verses of uh, the four verses 18 to 22, he meets a disciple and the scribe and he teaches them the cost of discipleship that we looked at the other Sunday morning. I tell you, an encounter with Jesus changes people's lives. It changes people's lives. It changes your life tonight. But you see, for what you've got to do is this. You have to have faith that catches his attention. Where you've tried everything else and said, you know what? I, 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 if I could deal with this myself is actually without faith it is impossible to please God there is a power in his word that changes the circumstances and the situations in our lives and for this as he sees the centurion that day he says my prayer is Lord make me like the centurion make me believe something and say something that captures your attention that says, Lord, I'm believing you. Everybody else has told me this won't work and this won't happen, but God, I am trusting you and your word. And I wonder if that's the faith that we need to have. I wonder if that's where we are tonight as a church for our circumstances and our situations that we are in. There is a power in Christ's word that changes the situations and circumstances in our life. It changes the very direction of our lives. I, you know, we can keep going the way that we're going. I know I can do this and read this and thought, God help me, help me to have that faith that captures your attention. That's really all that it is. The team are going to come and join us on the platform. And just as we, we, we just as just every head bowed before we begin to finish with a worship song, we just responds to this word. And, and in the silence and in the moment that we are here, let us take a moment to ask God that question. Lord, where do I need to have faith tonight? Lord, what do I need to do to capture your attention tonight? He already has our hearts. But our attention is something that we look at it and simply Jesus was amazed and astonished at the centurion's faith. Because he believed that Jesus was one with authority. And if he spoke a word, then it would be done. What do we need Jesus to speak tonight? What do we need Jesus to do in our life? How do we have the faith tonight that captures his attention? Lord, you know every circumstance and situation. 
of every person gathered in this room. You know, the stuff that has been going on in some of their lives for, for not just days, but weeks, months, years. And Father, you are the only answer. But Father, help us to have the faith of the centurion tonight. Help us to have a faith that captures your attention this evening. Not just to keep going and doing the religious thing, but have a living, active faith. Even if it's just the size of a mustard seed, we have that tonight, that you would change circumstances and situations in here. That you would set people free. You would lift the burdens of them that they are carrying. The power of your word would restore them tonight. The power of your word would give them the faith that they need tonight. Father, we don't want to mess about here and just do stuff that we have to do, Lord. We want to believe and trust in you. We want to have a faith that captures your attention tonight. And that's a prayer that we pray over all of us this evening. Lord, we trust you tonight. We have faith in you this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen.